Today on The State of Us, Congress is ignoring student debt. Why? I think we need to get Lance an air guitar so that he can just play the opening himself. I think that I think that'd be fun. Welcome to the State of Us. I am your host, Justin T. Weller, joined, of course, by none other than the one and only, the friendly redneck liberal, senior resident historian at True Chat, educator extraordinaire of more than 35 years, Mr. Lance L. Jackson. And the educator extraordinaire, very important today because we're talking about why Washington won't fix student debt and why plans that overload families are a problem. Lawmakers know that the federal plus loans burden millions of parents and graduate degree earners with balances they cannot afford, yet Congress repeatedly punts on changing the programs. We're going to look at five reasons why. And yes, this is both parties. We're not just talking about the possibility of loan forgiveness, which we will discuss, uh, but we're also talking about why we can't seem to make any changes to the system. But before we dive into that and Lance pulls out his air guitar, what is the word of the day? Well, I can sum this all up. We can have a really and your short bell-bottom show. jeans. Yep. And the reason for this is Congress is showing a real lack of alacrity. Alacrity. Alacrity is the word alacrity. of the day, folks. And if you're not familiar with that word, you know what's Congress not doing? Well, alacrity is a four-syllable word, A L A C R I T Y. Typically used as a noun, and it means showing eager willingness or readiness, often manifested by quick, lively action. So Congress is showing a lack of alacrity. They do not want to deal with this issue, and they have multiple reasons, but the bottom line is they're not in any hurry to do anything about this, as four or five of them from each political party are quoted in the article. So we'll examine each reason, Lance, but uh, let's start with a little history. Congress in the 1990s created a way for parents to borrow essentially unlimited amounts to send their children to college. By the way, this is from a Wall Street Journal article, which is linked at thestateofus.org. It did the same for graduate students roughly a decade later. For undergraduate debt, the government imposes a dollar limit. The Parent Plus and Grad Plus programs let people borrow the total cost of attendance. So that's room and board, books, and personal expenses all on top of tuition. And they allow them to borrow it for as many years as it takes to get the degree. So there's no cap on the amount and no cap on the duration of the number of years. Lawmakers and administration officials in both parties acknowledge that the programs have left many borrows with balances that they struggle to repay, yet Congress has repeatedly punted on changing the programs. There's a number of reasons, each of which we'll examine, but they include resistance to restricting disadvantaged students' access to funds, fear of angering universities, and the fact that the programs, on paper anyway, have historically made money for the government. The PLUS programs combined have become the fastest-growing portion of student loans, murring 3.6 million parents and 1.5 million graduate students in debt. 
plus loans made up about 12% of the outstanding $1.6 trillion in federal student loans as of June 30th, but roughly 26% of the $78 billion in new loans in the academic year that ended then, according to a Wall Street Journal analysis. The interest rates at 6.28% for new loans this year are significantly higher than for other federal student loans. So that's a little bit of your uh, your back history there, Lance. So we're going to let people borrow, parents and graduates. They can borrow basically any amount they want for as long as they need uh, to get through college. So for all expenses, right? Not just tuition. Sounds like a great deal. You just want to get me started, don't you? Unless, of course, Congress didn't actually intend this program to be used by people that might, now be careful here, need the money. And what do I mean by that? Well, you see, the program, this particular program, the PLUS program for parents and graduate students, was really not geared toward those uh, less fortunate individuals. It wasn't geared toward those people that don't have a lot of money. In fact, it was geared toward the opposite, right? It was designed for people, parents, who might need more liquidity and who might say, well, I have the money, but do I really want to divest my investments to do that when I can get loans over here to do it? And instead, what's happened, Lance, is while some people have used it in that manner, there's lots of people, because there was no restriction, uh, who are low-income people uh, who have borrowed this money and now are facing mountains and mountains of debt that are, are darn near impossible to climb out of. The idea and the concept, I guess, is okay as someone who's helped put two daughters through school, you look at, oh, here's what the tuition is. And if you've never, you know, if you're first generation going to college, you, you're like, oh, well, that's okay. We have to come up with that money. But to the point of the plus loans, it's also helping you cover all those other expenses that aren't talked about when you start applying to schools, you know, the the room and board portion and... Uh, the, the cost of just having a student in college, you know, paying for the food and, uh, you know, and, and you say, wait a minute, they got room and board, they get fed. Well, yeah, they don't have pizza money and, you know, everything else. And there are a lot of costs that go into being a student uh, at a university. Mm. And so that plus is, you know, you can borrow all of that. And that sounds good, and I guess, but my my the bottom line here for me is, as people are asking for this, and there are some valid reasons. Okay, uh, one of them you're going to bring up about uh, the cost of college when adjusted for inflation ah. over the last forty years. Am I going to bring that up? I've think? heard. Okay, um, I've heard about from my daughters, you know, and I under, and it is a real thing. Okay. But I have a real problem with people who say, well, but, you know, the government was going to give me this money, so I borrowed it because I didn't want to have to change my lifestyle just because my kids went to school. Excuse me? And now you're going to complain that you have to pay it back? I have a real hard time with that. Students, I understand a little bit more. The parents who made the choice to use this money, knowing that they have to pay it back, and many of them are homeowners and 
have jobs. And they basically just borrowed the money because they didn't want to change their lifestyle for their kids to go to school. Or they, their children said, well, I want to go to this school. And you didn't talk to them and say, well, there are other options to get this degree. And you don't have to go to this really expensive school. You can get the degree from another school and you can still make just as much money when you get out of college. They didn't have those hard conversations and they just said, well, you know what? I'm going to borrow this money from the from the government because I can and I get to keep living my same lifestyle and going on vacations and buying my cars and now like, oh, crap, now I have to pay it back? Oh, and I don't have the money to pay it back. Is that my fault? Because you didn't have these tough discussions? It's not fair, though, Lance. It's not fair. I'm so sick it, it, it's of not, that phrase. It's you not know fair. I hate, you it's know not fair. I despise that phrase. It's not fair. I have, well, a, I, I have a lot of alacrity when it comes to attacking that phrase. Yes. Okay? I am very yes. eager to attack no, no shortage any, of anyone or any person thing that says it's not fair. There are lots of things that aren't fair. Whoever told you any part of being on this planet is fair, that there's any fairness involved. Been alive a long time. Nobody's ever told me this was all going to be fair. Ladies and gentlemen, your friendly redneck liberal. (laughs) There he is. Uh, So I I do want to mention a couple things because I think Lance has touched on them. There there are things that I think cause some consternation on this. Um, and, And I have a lot of alacrity to make sure that people understand these important concepts, which I think are part of how we come into this on different, different sides. Um, one is a privilege versus a right, okay? If you have the right to something, then I think discussing fairness, you know, makes a little more sense. If it's simply a privilege, then why are we talking about if it's fair or not? Uh, and I guess the point here is this also goes hand in hand with my the other thing I wrote down, which is the need, underlining, triple underlining need, the need for college, um, the expectation for college, okay? Because I think these two things go hand in hand. We have, a, we have a problem in society. College, generally speaking, right, you do not have a right to go to college. You have the privilege of going to college. However, however, as a society... We have communicated that for X amount of professional jobs, for a certain parameter of professional jobs, you cannot have those jobs if you do not get the requisite education. And in fact, I think we would go so far as to say that if you're in the top 20 of your class at your high school, it is expected There is little question that you will be going to college. Now, what are you going to do? Well, I don't know. Well, but you're going to college. That's what's happening. I think, though, there is a discussion in our society, and it has changed in the last 40 years, that college should be a right. I think we're in the middle of that debate. And so I think I understand what you're saying, and it's something I've heard you say before, but I think we are now more and more pushing to the fact that college should be a right, not an option. I agree. And I think, and I think that's part of the, that's part of where the consternation comes in is it is not at the moment, you know, it, you, it is not per se a right. However, as a society, again, we've said in many cases, you have to have this, you have to do this. You must 
you must, you know, not, you know, you can, it's no, you're expected, you know? Um, I mean, you know, I think that was a, and I don't think it was undue pressure from my parents, but probably from about the time I was 12 or 14, like it, it was clear to me that my teachers and people at school and my parents and family, like it was just, that's what happens. Like you're going to college, like that's just how it's going to be, you know? Um, and I think societally speaking, that's not at all an unusual thing. Um, that is increasingly, to Lance's point, that is an increasingly common, which then leads us to believe, well, if this is something that I'm just naturally going to be doing, it must be a right. It must be something that, you know, we all have an obligation to do. When in fact, again, obviously that is not uh, reality, but that is, I think, an area where a lot of this, this angst comes into play, which leads to why um, there's these different problems with changing it in Congress. Uh, because people think they need it, and at the moment, changing it's going to upset, you're going to upset somebody. A large group of somebodies are going to be upset based on how you change it, and that's what we're going to look at. So keep it here on The State of Us, and we'll be right back. reasons why Congress won't tackle student debt. Why, why won't they do something about this? Well, the first and foremost thing, which might be painfully obvious, are changes are hard to sell. Major legislative proposals have come in two forms, capping what borrowers can take out and tightening eligibility requirements to better ensure borrowers can repay. Obviously, issues with both of those. Uh, which lead ins to some of the other points. I guess we'll go ahead and mention one of the other points right now, Lance, because uh, I think it's it's tied into this. Universities fight the changes. And you might say, well, how's that tied in? Well, think about it. If we cap the amount that you can borrow, we have drastically limited your options when it comes to college. Lance, in fact, even mentioned that, right? Are you having those hard conversations? Well, no, you should go wherever you want, you know? Okay, well, if you go wherever you want, there is a price for that, uh, you know, and that's that's a reality. I mean, going to Xavier University versus going to Clark State University, there is a different price point. Is that fair to say, Lance? It's very fair to say, and I think that's a, a point that we're missing here. They do make a point, however, on this topic as far as this reason, that with students able to borrow and parents able to borrow uncapped amounts, that there's no incentive for universities to keep tuition reasonable while sending students into debt. I, I think that's a very good point that you know, we, we all hopefully understand how much college expenses have increased over the last 30 years. And if the colleges are saying, well, you can get any amount of money that you want to go to school here, then there hasn't had to be the belt tightening at universities that maybe would have lowered the cost. And so the the cost of education uh, in college has gone up faster than the rate of inflation. But I also want to point out that before we just start bashing the universities for raising tuition, families typically don't want restrictions on borrowing either. Oh, so, why is that? Well, because they want to borrow that money. They don't want to have to actually change their lifestyle and cut out their budget in order to pay for college. But let's just not blame the Democrats who always want to just give money away in some people's minds. But Republicans 
don't want to go against this either because they're worried that this would look like they were taking away benefits from their constituents. So this is a bipartisan problem. And I, I come at that because, you know, well, the Democrats always want to give money away and they want to do this. And now we've created this problem and it's caused inflation. And see, that's what happens with the Democrats. Well, but the Republicans, when they had control of Congress, would not step up and change this. They had they had the majority and they could have changed this and they didn't want to, as there are a couple of different ones quoted here, Republicans quoted in the article who say, yeah, well, if we do this, then our constituents are going to think we're taking something away from them and that could cost me my chances to get reelected because, you know, all of us want our elected officials to cut funds that we don't have access to, but we don't want them to touch the funds that we have access to. I want my pork barrel, but I don't want you to have your pork barrel. Exactly, exactly. For decades, Lance, college tuition has seemed to go only in one direction. For the 1980-81 school year, tuition at private, nonprofit four-year colleges cost an average of $11,810 in today's money. By the 2019-2020 school year, so again there folks, $11,000, okay? The cost had risen to $38,780, a more than threefold increase in just 39 years. Tuition at public four-year universities rose four times from 2,610 to 10,980 All of the figures that I just mentioned are adjusted for inflation. So a college education has been getting steadily more expensive in real terms year over year. And that's something that I've had to come to terms with because when I was having this conversation with my daughters and their friends 10 years ago, that's what I was saying. You know, I was was making that argument that, well, I had to take out money when I went to college and I was able to go into the teaching profession, which is not historically a well-paying position, and pay off my loans, as did your mother, because then we got married and she went back to school and we borrowed money, as well as changing our lifestyle, and we'll go into that if we want, but, um, and we paid that off, and these young people, you know, at that point in their mid-20s said, yeah, but college is a lot more expensive now, and I said, no, it's not, I mean, you know, there's inflation, blah, blah, blah. But in the last five years, they've done the studies, and these young people were correct, that the cost of going to college is much greater now than in real dollars than it was when those of us were going to school back in the 70s and the 80s. So number one, right, of the five things, five reasons Congress isn't doing this or changes are hard to sell. Another reason is because universities push back, right? They don't like the idea of capping this because to Lance's point, if it was capped, there were actually then, I mean, one, some universities simply couldn't make it work, but others would be forced to figure out how to get more competitive based on access to lower federal dollars. Well, and the other argument is if you don't have the federal program, then you have to go to your local bank to get the money to go. And those interest rates are a lot higher than the 6.28% if you're going to get a personal loan or a signature loan or, you know, uh, I guess you could you could have saved money in the last few years if you wanted a second mortgage for your house, but we're seeing those loans go up as well. So, you know, a, another argument to keep it is that these plus loans, yes, they put you in debt, but you get to borrow the money 
more cheaply than you would borrowing it another way. You know, the other thing to mention here on the changes are hard to sell is obviously colleges don't like it, right? But the other thing is there's concern about if you tighten the eligibility requirements to better ensure borrowers can repay, Democrats then are worried about you'll be excluding uh, people who historically don't have great access to higher education uh, institutions. At the same time, I guess the counter there would be I'm not sure that it's better to give it to them if you're going to saddle them with hundreds of thousands of student debt. I mean, as we've seen, then people will get this education, but then they're, you know, under this huge weight and sometimes unable to climb out of it and sometimes forced into bankruptcy. So I, you know, that whole, well, this is your, and this is a frustration that listeners know that I have the whole, the whole promise thing of go to college and everything will be fine. Eh, no. That's that's not how it works. You know, everything's not going to just automatically be fine just because you went to college. Now, I do think there was a time where, for the most part, that was true. But we've talked, we've tried to talk a lot about that on the show. And Lance does a good job of reiterating to people, things do change, right? And just because there was college 30 years ago and there's college today doesn't mean that college is the same. Uh, the other thing that we've covered when we've talked about this issue before is the number of people going to college has drastically changed. There's a lot more people going to college, which I have surmised on multiple occasions, uh, because as our listeners know, I, I do have a, a surprising alacrity for this uh, particular conversation. The more people that go, the less unique value it has. So we have two trends happening. The cost is going up. And more people are going, which are related as well, because we've talked about supply and demand, right? There's more people going for the same, uh, you know, the same item. So therefore, the price goes up as part of the issue. Uh, and there's a lot of other things that go into price, but obviously that's one of them. And then the other effect of more people going is not only has the price gone up, but the value per dollar is less because more people have the degrees. It's more of a given. So you have a twofold issue there of when Lance went, having a college degree was more special. It also didn't cost as much to get a degree. Those are very important components of understanding this greater issue. And speaking of money, that brings us to the third item on the list, Lance, which is that this program has historically been a moneymaker for the government. You might say, well, how much money? Well, if you eliminated the Parent Plus program, that would cost the government $1 billion to $3.6 billion every year, uh, according to estimates from a senior fellow at the Urban Institute. There have been people looking at this because they have adapted some things to this, and there are jobs that you can go into that allow you to not have to pay back all of the money that you had borrowed. And so there is a growing consensus that, for the graduate level program of this puzzle, the Grad Plus program, that it actually costs the government money because so many of these borrowers have enrolled in the plans that forgive the loans after a period. And one person uh, from the uh, CBO says it's actually going to cost uh, the government $181 million to $3.9 billion based on students going into these programs. And so, therefore, they could save money by eliminating the Grad Plus program. So, um, again, 
you know, what they've done, and, and I know there are teachers that do this, if you get a teaching license, you can teach at a disadvantaged school district and a percentage of your loan is paid off every year that you work at one of these disadvantaged school districts. And so, you know, let's say 10% a year. So you owed $100,000, 10% a year is paid off on your own, so it's 90000 Then the second year, 10% of that, so 9000 And so if you work there long enough, you end up really not having to pay back the loan. Well, the government loans you the money and they're not getting it back. So, you know, that's how that would work there. But it's interesting that in, in my mind, and again, here's the bipartisan, right? Uh, President Obama proposed a government system for the colleges saying that if your kids aren't graduating and they're not getting good jobs, we're going to deny you the money. And the colleges pushed back on that. So here's a Democratic president saying, we're going to put a system in place and make sure your college is using the money correctly. Sounds like performance and, and well, And the colleges pushed back on that. And then you have a Republican who was at the time on the Senate Education Committee who said, well, we broke the system, but we don't have any idea how to go about fixing it. Flips a little bit, right? I mean, you would think, well, the Republicans would be bashing this and coming up with all these ideas. Well, actually, President Obama came up with an idea, and the colleges pushed back on it. And some of the Republicans on the Senate Edu- Education Committee at the time said, yeah, it's broken, but we don't have any idea how to fix this because we're going to make people mad trying to fix it. So here it is, right? It's it, it's both parties that have let this get out of control to the point now, what do we do with it? Well, because the Trump administration actually uh, had proposed capping. They had had tried to push for capping um, the amount that you could take out. So it is, it's a, it's a very- And Congress told them, Republicans in Congress said, you don't want to do that because there's going to be such a big pushback that it's going to look bad on us. But to your point of both parties have toyed with doing something about this recently- and have not been successful at doing anything about it. Part of the issue is we designed a program, and we did it a little bit with rose-colored glasses and assumed that people who couldn't afford the loans wouldn't take the loans, um, which was probably a dumb assumption. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know if there's any other way to say it. You know, Well, we're going to put them out there, and we'll trust that people who shouldn't take them won't take them. And it's like, well... I, I don't know how it works everywhere else, Lance, but my understanding of how loans work is that when you want to go get one from anybody other than the government, you have to demonstrate that you can afford the freaking loan. But you have the ability Otherwise, to pay Otherwise, you it can't back. have the loan. You know what I mean? So I don't know why Congress thought that, uh, you know, well, everybody else plays by these rules, but we're just going to create this thing where you don't have to play by those rules. Who cares if they can repay it? You're going to go into a field that doesn't pay very doesn't historically pay a lot of money in salaries, but we're going to let you borrow $400,000 to get a degree from this elite university to go into this field that only pays $75,000 a year. And then you're going to complain, well, I don't have the money to pay back that loan. Well, to your point, a normal bank would say, well, Mr. Jackson, you're only making... $30,000 $30,000 a year, you can't afford this million dollar home. Right. We're going to deny your loan. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I mean? We you can't give I'm you saying? this. Yeah. Any place else you would borrow money, they would say, yeah, we're not going to give it to you. But the federal government says, oh, blank check. Go to school wherever you want, major in whatever you want, get as many degrees as you want, stay in school as long as you want, and borrow as much money as you want. And then and pay on the loan for you the rest of your life, and so then the interest keeps accruing. And expected people to 
have the money to pay it back. Very few people, to our point on this show, have been taught money management in high school. And so they go ahead and borrow that money, not realizing that they are going to be in their 70s and 80s before they pay this off. (laughs) Yep. And the last reason, and we'll let you chew on this one here in between the segments, Congress doesn't deem the problem as urgent enough. You might say, what? How is that possible? Well, as we've outlined, colleges don't want it. Families don't like the idea of capping it or changing it. Uh, And so, you know, Congress is like, well, why would we change this? So most of the plans have focused around forgiveness and have not focused around actually fixing the system. We're going to talk about, though, how you might fix the system coming up. Keep it here on The State of Us, and we'll be right back. Congress doesn't want to fix the problem because it's a hard, you know, they look at it, it's hard to fix without upsetting a lot of people. Uh, and, you know, uh, I guess I would say, frankly, uh, it's it's your job to fix it. So you should fix it. I, you know, sometimes you got to make hard choices. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I guess they don't. I mean, they're choosing not to make hard choices. So I guess they don't have to. And they're getting um, elected. Right. But they should. I mean, they should have to make hard choices about this. At a minimum, Lance, I would say... Um, because there's two things here. There's there's the system itself, right? This this component, this loan program component, and then there's the larger issue. And the larger issues of more interest to me. But just to address the system first, I mean, one thing that I would immediately put in place if it was up to me was we would absolutely um, have some requirements for determining if you're actually going to be able to repay this loan. You know, now you might say, well, okay, but low income people, right? You're going to be no. I didn't say how we're going to determine, and I said that we're going to have some requirements for determining it. And I think one of those is on your future job earning potential. Well, that's not fair. You're making me decide. That's right. You're making me decide when I'm 18 years old what I'm going to major in. And, and studies show that I'm going to change my major four times while I'm in school. So you're, I'm going to, everybody's going to say, well, I'm going to be a doctor. Well, then I can borrow more money. Right. Ex- so, that's, so that's not fair because you're, you're saying because I say I'm going to go into social work. You're not going to let me borrow as much money, but somebody else says they're going to go into engineering and they get to borrow more money. Well, that's not fair. You're right. It's not fair. But it's better for you. And here's the irony, right? Sometimes it's not fair, but it's the right thing. And we say, well, how can that be possible? Well, is it, again, in that scenario that Lance mentioned before, is it right if you're going to make seventy dollars or $80,000 a year for the government to allow you to take on $400,000 of debt? Is that right? Well, and if you're saying, well, you, I hope you, not. you guys are just pulling numbers out of your head. No. no read the article. There yeah. are <laughs> a number of anecdotal stories here where that's exactly the scenario that's occurred, that there are students that are in that shape. There are parents of students who are in that kind of shape. So we didn't just didn't pull those numbers out of our hat to make our point, folks. This is These are real-life stories um, that are in the article that you, you can read it, okay? And Congress is saying, to Justin's point, yeah, you know, we have other things to talk about, and it's not an easy answer, and so... Um, yeah, we're just going to push it down the road. And obviously, folks, when you do that with a problem, 
it just gets worse. The, the other thing is I think this eligibility thing, Lance, helps fix the equation because one of the things the article points out and some of what that example is based on is orthodontists, okay? They're one of those fields that has an inordinate, uh, a, a real imbalance in what you can make as an orthodontist relative to what you have to pay to become one. And again, putting this in place is going to say, well, it's going to be harder for people to become orthodontists. Okay. But what is the subsequent effect of that? Two things. One, there will be less orthodontists. So the industry is going to be motivated to tell colleges, we have to figure out how to make this more affordable because obviously the cost is too high instead of what we have right now, which is the industry is not pushing that very much because why the colleges don't need to change it because they can make a lot of money on this. Who cares? Who cares if you can repay it? We don't care the college and the industry doesn't care, you know, cause we've all had to go through that. So who cares? You know, who cares other than you who's going to get stuck having to repay it. So again, I'm sorry, but I, I just, I don't think that I don't care what income background you come from. I don't think that if you can only make 70 or 80,000 a year, we ought to give you three, $400,000 a year. But here's the other piece. And you're talking about future workers. There's also anecdotal evidence here that there's a, you know, an example of a parent here who works and full-time job, they make $45,000 a year. And the Parent PLUS program allowed them to borrow $126,000 at the age of 62 to send their kids, their, their daughter to school. And it's like, wait a minute. So we're saddling the old now with the debt as well. But to your point, if she were to walk in and ask for a bank loan, for to purchase something at that point, at that interest rate that she would have to pay off until she was 82, the bank manager would probably look at her um, with great alacrity and say, I don't think we're going to give you this money. I'm not sure we can help you. What, you know? Whatsoever. So, um, you know, but to the point who should have alacrity towards this problem, that is the government. They should, they should be jumping up and down trying to find some way to alleviate this problem in its current form and not let it continue to grow into the future. Because this is an economic issue. Whether you like it or not, no matter what your opinion is, this is something that's going to hurt our economy in the future. Because if you continue to allow people to borrow this kind of money and strap themselves to these payments, then they will not buy as much stuff from your business and therefore you won't make the profits and you won't be able to keep your workers. So when you say, well, my kids are already through college or I don't have children and so I don't care about this or I didn't have any debt, it doesn't affect me. No, this is something that will affect all of us. We need to decide if college is a right, right? We need to make that decision definitive because it informs a lot of other things. Um, personally, I'm not sure that it should be a right because I think that I think that if it is, if we've decided that everybody has to do college, you know, in order to be successful or that many people, most people do, then I think we have to take a hard look at our public education system. Are a hard look at K through 12 and say, we're not doing something right. Because there was a time in this country where we could say, you know, you can have a good life with a high school diploma. And for what it's worth, you still can. I mean, there are, there are plenty of people out there, millions of Americans who have very respectable lives with a college or with a high school diploma, excuse me. Um, so it is not a prerequisite that you have to do this. But the other thing is we've also communicated that 
if you're going to be successful and you're going to go to college, you're going to do it right out of high school. And as Lance and I have expressed on many occasions, that is one of the most detrimental decisions that as a society we have made to force an 18 year old who really has no idea what they want to do to immediately go to college, which again, money, time, and millions of college graduates around the United States who have a degree that they're not actively using directly. You know what I mean? They're not employed in a field that requires that degree. And again, wasted money, you know, it, there's a lot of ways to fix this. We've talked about a lot of the symptoms, I think, of the larger, larger issue. Um, so I hope that our listeners will continue to think about what they think the right answer is so that they can tell their congressman, right, Lance? Tell Congress to get off their lazy butts and do something. I mean, at this point, almost anything would be good. So because uh, it's just only going to get worse if we don't if we don't do something. Why do we have this conversation today, Lance? Well, because True Chat has a mission, and its mission is to educate people by providing honest, open, and respectful conversations. And I think we've done that today. And as you share this with your family and friends and coworkers, and they say, well, this sounds like an interesting show. I'd like to listen to more of it. Tell them that they can find us as a podcast on Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, and everywhere podcasts are found. The State of Us is available Tuesdays and Thursdays as a podcast, first thing in the mornings. And we're heard across the country on AM and FM radio stations every weekend. What do you have the uh, final tally here, Aslance? Because I, do you know who won? Uh, I think you got me by one or two. Okay. I, that's what I had marked, but I also know that I'm predispositioned to accidentally leave some of your score out usually. So, um, you were know, on top of, you first. you were on top of using the word and, and just, but I will point this out that I think if we look at the minutes, especially when Bradley gets done with things that you talked for a lot longer. So I think <laughs> the <laughs> ratio of words per show, oh. I think I probably won. Okay. So if so we're looking at, if we're, if we're just looking at, at, you know, the fundamental who, who said it more you did, but you had more opportunities gotcha. to, to use. The I, word. I scored more, but I had more playing time as well. Okay. Exactly. I got it. There I you go. Okay. Nice, nice analogy. The your, ba- your per minute, the basketball scoring coach, is, right, is higher my per than minute mine. Scoring was much higher than yours <laughs> okay. today, but you did score more points total. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Okay. <laughs> For the state of us on True Chat in Urbana, Ohio, I'm Justin T. Weller. I'm Lance Jackson. Special thanks to our producer, Bradley Butch, and thank you all, our audience, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Be the change. Be sure to check out our website, thestateofus.org, for books, articles, and all the ways to tune in, thestateofus.org.